Good morning, everybody. My name is Brendan. I'm a pastor here. I'm excited to share God's Word with us this morning. Um, I just got over being sick. Anybody else get the flu this season? I wasn't here a couple of weeks ago because um, I got the flu, and it was terrible. I don't know if I've ever had the flu before. At least this is like a totally different kind of flu. And it was just like six days, literally, I was quarantined in our basement. And Rachel was like, leaving food at the top of the steps for me. I'd be like, thank you. <laughs> Can I have a glass of water? <laughs> um, but, because I have two young girls, and I don't want to get them sick, and uh, I don't want to get my wife sick, and so I'm just sitting down there watching The Godfather and like <laughs> and drinking like NyQuil and stuff. Anyway, um, no one else got sick, thank God. But it was the worst. The, worst. the worst part about having the flu was actually not the symptoms themselves. I mean, I had a fever had uh, headache, congestion, you guys don't need to know all this, but um, I just, the worst, I, I can deal with that, but the worst part behind the flu is like, I don't get to be with my family, like I'm way down there, you know, I'm, they're all playing upstairs and laughing or crying, I'm like, oh, I wish I'd go up and help, but I'll get you sick, and then you'll really be crying. Um, and the second worst thing for me was feeling like needy, feeling like, I am bothering everybody. Everyone has to do all this stuff for me and take care of me, and I'm sitting down here helpless, you know, and sick, and I can't do anything, and uh, I can't help around the house, and everyone else needs to help me. And that's like the second worst thing about being sick. I don't know if you guys feel that way too. But we've been reading uh, Mark, uh, reading through Mark, and this week we were hopefully reading through Mark chapters 5 and 6. And as I came into this chapter, and I was starting to read these stories, I just felt like, everyone in this story is so needy, and I just, I didn't really like it. Like, you go from the um, the man in the garrisons who is possessed with a legion of demons, and he needs Jesus to help him, and then you, he, Jesus kind of goes with his disciples across the lake, and they go to the shore, and then this whole crowd just presses in on them right when they land on shore, and Jairus is like reaching out, heal my daughter, and then and the whole crowd is grabbing onto Jesus and tugging on him and pulling on him. And, and this woman reaches out and grabs Jesus' clothes saying, I need your healing. And she gets healed. And, and then it keeps going. And it's like, ah, all these people are so needy. And, and I know that Jesus is calling me to follow him every place that he goes. And so I'm, as I'm kind of immersing myself in the story, I'm thinking, I don't want to follow Jesus into that crowd. I don't want to go in there. Everybody pulling on me and tugging on me and asking for things and wanting things from me, wanting things from Jesus. And I'd kind of rather wait until Jesus is past the crowd and he has this free moment and I can sit down and have a conversation with him. That's what I'd much rather do is wait until Jesus is done when he's not so busy because I'm not part of that crowd. I don't need anything from Jesus. I just want to wait and just kind of hang out with him and, and spend time with Jesus. That's how I felt going into this story. And then I realized we get that moment at the beginning of chapter 6. Jesus is kind of done with the crowds, and he goes back home to Nazareth. And he has a chance to be with people who's more, who are more comfortable with him, who aren't so needy, who aren't reaching him. And I want to show you what happens, because um, this really convicted me that I probably belong more in Nazareth than I do down the seashore and I want to show you what happens when Jesus encounters these kinds of people. Before we do, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the story. 
thank you for just speaking and, and being here today. I just pray that you would soften our hearts, soften my heart. If there's any callousness or guardedness, I pray that you would just wipe that away. And just like we talked about last week, that you would uh, make our hearts soft and ready to receive the gospel, ready to receive your spirit this morning. We want to be transformed. We want to look more and more like you, Jesus. Amen. All right, this is Mark chapter 6. Jesus left there, and by there, at the Sea of Galilee, he left there, and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there, except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. You guys see what's going on here is Jesus is leaving these needy crowds and coming back up to Nazareth, and no one seems to need him. They're like, oh, hey, Jesus. Oh, yeah, you, you grew up here. You've, you've grown so big, and you've got a beard now, and, and now you're, uh, you're still doing that carpenter thing. Oh, you're not. What are you doing now? Oh, you're healing people. Oh, that's kind of cool. You're preaching. That's cool. You want to preach in synagogue on Sunday? That'd be great. Yeah, it's good to see you. Can we have a cup of coffee later? And then he starts teaching with authority, and they're like, oh, like, who do you, who do you think you are? You're like the kid who grew up, and you're telling us what to do? And I think it's because they grew up with Jesus, and they knew him. He was so familiar to them. He kind of fit in all their boxes. He kind of fit their expectations. They kind of had a some expectations about who Jesus was and what he was to them. And I identified with that because I grew up in a Christian household. I grew up with Jesus. And in fact, that's a blessing. I, I grew up with Christian parents who taught me scripture, who taught me to love the Lord, and who brought me to church. And my church community taught me how to, how to live like a Christian, how to live following Jesus. But at the same time, I felt like Jesus was kind of just familiar to me. Like, Jesus was the one I said, in Jesus' name we pray. He's the one we prayed to. Um, Jesus is the one who is in Bible. Jesus is the one who um, we answer the right question to on Sunday school. You know, like, whatever question it is, it's always Jesus is the answer, right? And I think I grew up, especially growing up in America, I've got a, a roof over my head, and um, now I've got a family who surround me who can take care of me when I'm sick. Um, I've got, you know, access to health care. I've got, um, you know, most of my needs feel like they're taken care of. And so when I think about Jesus in my life, I go, man, I'm so glad that Jesus is, is uh, you know, rose from the dead and, and can save other people and can help other people. And I want to really pray for other people. But I don't really have a whole lot of need for Jesus on a day-to-day -day basis. I hope I can be honest with you guys on, about that. I'm, like, if I think about my day, I don't think, oh, Jesus, I need you every single hour. You know that song, every hour I need you. 
I, that doesn't necessarily ring true for me if I'm honest every single day. Because in my heart of hearts, I think, well, I've kind of got all my needs met. I'm kind of set. I'm okay. Can we just have a conversation, Jesus? Like, I don't need anything. And what does Jesus, how does Jesus treat these people who, who treat him like that? He says, well, okay, like, I guess I'll lay my hands on a few sick people and I'll just kind of be on my way. I'll just kind of make my way to the next village. And um, because you really don't have the kind of faith, you really don't have the posture that, um, that I'm looking for. I'm looking for people who have faith. So I got curious about that. I was reading, as I was reading this story, I thought, what does it look like to have faith in Jesus? What does it look like to have faith? And so I felt this urge to go back again to chapter 5 and to follow Jesus into that crowd and to learn something from Jesus. So I want to invite you there with me. Um, if you kind of, I'm not going to put it up on the screens because it's just a longer story, but if you go back to chapter 5, it starts starts with the man in the garrison, but I want to focus on when Jesus comes back to across the Sea of Galilee to the shore, and he lands, and this big crowd is just waiting for him. And that's kind of a theme I see through 5 and 6. All these people just pressing in on Jesus, needing him, reaching him. And there's a man, it's a synagogue leader named Jairus. And he would have been known by everybody. He's like the head pastor. Okay, so he'd be like Matt in their community. Everyone knows him. Everyone, he's always got a smile on the face. But this time, he doesn't. Because he's running to Jesus, and he plants his knees in the sand, and he says, Jesus, my daughter is dying. She's in her last breaths. Come. Jairus has taken his, he, he's used to not having any needs. He's the synagogue leader. And he's humbling himself and kneeling before Jesus. And his heart is breaking. His heart is breaking. And um, I'm not used to having a broken heart. I kind of avoid that. Um, like I was saying before, um, I don't like to think of myself as having needs. And yet, look at what Jesus says um, in Revelation to the church of Laodicea. And he's kind of um, criticizing them. He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. But because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, and don't need a thing. But you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Jairus realizes that he is wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. He realizes that he has needs, that his daughter is dying, and Jesus is the only one who can help him. So he comes and kneels down. And so it reflects this psalm. Jairus reflects this psalm. It says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord opposes the proud, but he, he draws near to the brokenhearted. And so faith, faith is for the brokenhearted. That's where faith starts, I think, in this story. Faith starts with a broken heart saying, I need something. I'm not rich. I'm, I haven't acquired everything. I don't 
I'm not all self-sufficient. I'm not independent. I need something. And Jairus needs something. So Jesus takes uh, takes Jairus. Maybe he lifts him up by the hand and he, and he follows him back to Jairus' house. But the crowd is continuing to press in. The crowd is continuing to press in and grab hold of Jesus. And there's a woman in the crowd. And she's a woman who's been outcast from their community. She hasn't been able to go to synagogue for the last 12 years at least because she's been bleeding for that amount of time. And if you were bleeding as a woman, you were not allowed to come and worship. And so she'd been ostracized from the community. And she shouldn't even be there, really. She shouldn't be around Jesus. She shouldn't be around Jairus. And yet she pushes through the crowd. And she reaches out and grabs a hold of Jesus. And it says um, she grabbed a hold of Jesus because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And I thought as I was reading that, why does she think that? What got in her head that, uh, that if she just touched Jesus' clothes, uh, she'll be healed? Is that like some superstitious thing? And, um, and I realized that this is the, um, this is the last... So, so if you look at the Old Testament, our Old Testament, and you look at the last book of the Old Testament, and you look at the last chapter, it's Malachi 4. I'll show it to you. It says this, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And from then on, that's like the last of Malachi, we've got 400 years of silence from God. So this is like the last thing you know, in our Bible that it says that God says. The Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. The Jews believe that this is a prophecy of the Messiah. Actually, do you remember, um, I don't know if you remember this Christmas carol, but... Um, Goes, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Can you guys sing it with me? Hail the Son of Righteousness, life and light to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings. Remember that song? Okay, so the Jews knew that too. Here comes the Son of Righteousness with healing in its wings. And if you look at the word wings, that's kanaf. The word wings, the, the word kanaf can also be translated the corner of someone's garment, the edge of someone's clothes. And so when this woman reaches out through the crowd and sees the edge of Jesus' clothes, his wings, the kanaf, she reaches out and grabs it and says, you are my Messiah. You are the one that I'm waiting for, that I need. That's what she's saying. She's declaring that Christ is the Messiah that was awaited and that she longed for, she yearned for. It wasn't just a superstitious act of like, oh, if I touch his clothes, maybe I'll be healed. She's saying, Jesus, you are my Messiah. I need you. Grabbing on. She's fulfilling the prophecy. So faith is reaching out for Jesus. So faith is. Faith is for the brokenhearted, but faith is also reaching out for Jesus, because it proclaims that he is our Messiah, that Jesus is the Messiah for us. So Jesus turns around and he says, who touched me? And the disciples, I think there should be a, like a book about, called like the sarcasm of the disciples or something like that. They're like, what do you mean who touched you? Everyone's touching you. And Jesus said, no, who touched me? Um, and he called this woman forward. He allows her to share the whole truth, her whole story. 
just standing there sharing the whole story, and Jesus is listening. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, Jairus has got to be killing himself. Like, come on, Jesus. My daughter is in her last breaths, and you're just standing here listening to this woman. Don't you know, like, you've got some urgency going on here? Like, hurry up. You're going to miss it. I think there's kind of two things going on here. The first thing is, I think Jesus is facilitating some reconciliation. He's saying, this woman has been ostracized from the community for 12 years, and you're the synagogue leader. I'm going to have you listen to her whole story. Listen to how much that hurt. Listen to her whole pain. Just listen. And everyone's going to listen. Everyone's gathered around, and now everyone gets to listen to the story of the woman who's been ostracized for 12 years. That's reconciliation. And Jesus is facilitating that. But I think the other thing he's doing is teaching us what it means to have faith. I think he's showing Jairus that Jairus has to kind of lean on Jesus here. It's not just about Jesus being the slot machine, like, Oh, give me what I want, Jesus. Come on, now, now, now. Jesus is not ruled by the tyranny of the urgent. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not about that. Instead, he makes Jairus wait and depend on him and lean on him. And you know what, um, what happens is that all the, um, some people from Jairus' household come up. They said, hey, it's too late. Your daughter has already died. Don't bother Jesus any longer. And what Jesus says is, don't fear, just believe. But the word believe is not believe, it's, it's, uh, it's faith. Don't, don't fear, have faith. Which is interesting because the same, it's the same thing that he said to the woman. Like, it's your faith that has healed you. It's your faith that has healed you. And then Jairus says, ah, oh, my daughter's already dead. You missed it. And he says, have faith. Just like this woman had faith. You can have faith too. Hang on to me like this woman is hanging on to me. And it reminds me of this psalm, uh, Psalm 62. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. My hope is from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my deliverance and my honor, my mighty rock, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. Jesus is having Jairus wait on him. Wait in silence. Depend on me. Hang on to me. You reached out for me with a broken heart, and now I'm saying just hang on. Hang on to me. Because faith is waiting on Jesus. Faith is waiting on Jesus. So if we want to have faith, if I want to have faith, I need to acknowledge the fact that I... I have a broken heart. I need to acknowledge my broken heart, my neediness. I need to reach out for Jesus because he's my Messiah. And I need to wait until he delivers what he promises. I need to just keep waiting on him. Um, a few weeks ago, we were at our missional community, and we were actually looking at Mark 1 and 2 because that's, I think, where we were as a church. And, um, and that's the one where the paralytic comes uh, to Jesus. The men drop the paralytic into the presence of Jesus and he heals them and he heals them both spiritually and physically and so we were talking about like hey let's break up into groups and talk about um, where do you need healing spiritually and where do you need healing physically and let's pray for each other so one of 
uh, person, one guy in my group um, said, you know, my wife is pregnant and the baby, her, the, the kidney uh, is swelling with fluid and we don't know what's going on. And so, um, so we just like, okay, yeah, let's pray. So we, we pray for him and and as someone who's had who has daughters, I'm I'm especially just tuned in. My heart is kind of like hurting for him, you know, like that's a really stressful thing. So we pray for him and we're done. And two days later my wife lets me know, um, hey, did you hear like the fluid went down? I was like, Oh, that's great, good news. I don't know if any of you do this, like you pray for something, you pray for something, and then when it happens you go, Oh, that's great. It's like, whoa, 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 wait, I prayed for that. Like, we prayed for that together, and it happened. Like, praise God. So I called him up. I'm like, Tom, praise God. Like, he answered our prayers. He answered our prayers. And the next morning, um, I'm just telling you my whole week, because this was just an awesome week. The next morning, um, I went in for my mentor time. I, I mentor a kid at a high school, and been walking with him since September, and I love this kid. Um, he's 18 years old, and he, um, he, we, we, I, I walked into the, the school, and literally the second I walk in, the phone rings, and it's a police officer asking if we can hang back um, and, and you know, stay at the school and not go out for a mentor time. And uh, the secretary's like, no. No, you can't. And she hangs up the phone, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. And then um, he calls back, and he's like, I really need you to hang back. And she's like, okay, okay, fine. So I, I stay with him, and um, I start talking with him. We get in the room, and he's just, like, so nervous, just going back and forth. And he, like, goes to the bathroom. He has to go back to his class to get something. And I just, um, I'm like, how are you doing? He's, like, trying to figure it out. And I can just tell he's just totally scattered. And the, um, the cops come in and pull out handcuffs and just arrest them right in front of me. And I'd never been that close to something like that. And I didn't know what to do. And I'm just like, I'm here with you, you know. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to figure out how to talk to you. I don't know what's going on. Where are you taking him? You know, how can I get in touch with him? And just like that, he's gone. And I'm thinking, what in the world is he going to do? And I just feel helpless. And so I go back to my car, and I just close the door, and I'm just like, Jesus, help him. Have mercy. Have mercy on this kid. And release him. Release him, whatever it takes. I love this kid. Have mercy on him. And I texted my guy friend, too, and just said, you guys, I'll just pray. Like, this is not good. This is not good. And so they all responded, yeah, we're praying, we're praying, we're praying. Um, and I, I called up the jail and asked, can I talk to him, can I talk to him? Oh, he's not in the system yet, whatever. And um, then I finally, I call again, and, and uh, she says, well, he's, he's not in the system. He, he must be out. I'm like, no, he can't be out. And so uh, I Facebook message him, and he's like, yeah, I was in there for nine hours. It's like, praise God, like, Awesome. And he's got a long journey, you know. He's got a long journey ahead of him, and um, and he and we're gonna walk through that together. But I was just like, God, you release the prisoner, like you set the captives free, like you're answering prayer. This is awesome. I love our God. 
and what he's about, and that he answers and listens to our prayers. That same day, that's when I got the flu. <laughs> that's when I got the flu, and I was like, okay, God, do it again, you know, like, heal me, heal me, God, and, and had other people praying for me, and uh, I didn't get healed in the time that I wanted to. And in the meantime, I'm just hanging on, and I'm just, in the middle of that, I'm thinking, okay, I'm downstairs, I'm like out of fever, I'm away from everybody else, and I'm praying, I'm like, ah, I want this to be gone, Jesus, just heal me. And I just felt this sweet sense of his presence. Like, I want you to heal me, Jesus, but more than that, I just want you, you know? I just want you. And I know there's, I'm not the only one in this room who's had the flu, but I'm also not the only one in this room who's had any kind of sickness. And there are people in this room who've had chronic issues for years, like this woman, and maybe like Jairus, who, um, it says this woman uh, had been to all kinds of doctors, and she just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And finally, she was healed. And um, I know there's people in this room specifically who've been praying for healing for a long, long, long time. Who've been praying for breakthrough for a long, long, long time, and have been getting tired and worn out. And um, it wears you thin. It's really hard. Jesus shows us what it looks like to live a life of faith. And I just encourage you, like, keep looking to Jesus. Keep looking to Jesus. Keep hanging on to Jesus as your Messiah. If you notice, the Jairus' daughter doesn't get healed until after she dies. And then Jesus comes, and he always says to her, he says, tell us a coon. And what that means is, it, our Bible is translated as, like, little girl, get up. But it's actually way sweeter than that. It's like, honey, rise and shine. The daddy coming to a girl after she's died. And I don't know how to say this, but some of us will get healing before we die, and some of us will get healing after we die. And what's common for all of us is that we're going to continue to hang on to Jesus, our healer, as our Messiah. That's what we do. We keep hanging on. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He kept hanging on. Jesus, when he was on the cross, he said this, into your hands I put my spirit. And um, notice I have the, the psalm reference. It's not from one of the Gospels. It's actually Jesus speaking a psalm. He's, he's singing on the cross. He's saying, into your hands I put my spirit, God. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. And you can see Jesus on the cross, just fully brokenhearted for the sins of the world taking on all the sins of the world. And in faith, he's reaching out to God, saying, you are my God, you are my Savior. I'm going to hang on until I die, literally. And he trusts God that God is going to raise him up, resurrect him. That's the Jesus that we worship. So this morning, I just want to give you an invitation in the prayer. Um, Prayer for faith. If you're feeling callous, that, that God would soften your heart and show you that you're you're not rich, you don't have all your needs met, that that you do need a Messiah. And I also want to pray for us to reach out and to hang on to Jesus this morning in faith. And if you have a specific need for healing, uh, we have an awesome prayer team. It's going to be right over here in this corner during the last song. 
as everyone kind of stands up, you can go over there and get prayer for whatever you need. And we're committed at Victory Point, like, if you come for prayer and you haven't been healed, you kind of walk, I know how that feels, like, you go, oh, well, it didn't work, you know? Come back. Come back as many times as it takes. We're going to continue to pray. That's some, something we're committed to, is continue to pray for you until one of us dies, until Jesus returns, or until you get healed. Okay? So, I encourage you, come over to this prayer corner, get healing, and, um, and for those of us who aren't going to go over there, just let's just stand right now, and we're going to worship, I'm going to invite the band forward. Let's just pray. Holy Spirit, in this time of silence, we just want to allow you to soften our hearts. Soften our hearts. And um, if there's any uh, pride in this room, if there's any pride in our hearts, would you just penetrate that and uh, humble us? Show us how much we need you. We're just going to take a second just to do that. Jesus, just like the woman who makes her way through the crowd and reaches out and grabs onto you, we're going to grab hold, grab hold of you because in your presence there's healing, in your presence there's salvation. Fill our hearts with faith to reach out and grab on. Holy Spirit, I ask the gift of perseverance this morning. Those of us who have been waiting and waiting, give us faith, more faith, increase our faith so that we can hang on to you. Even though we feel like sometimes it's a roller coaster, sometimes we feel like we're close to you, and sometimes we feel like we're far from you. And you give us strength to hang on to your presence, to reach out for you, to know your love and your peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen. Let's worship.